Hi, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Unabashedly Real and Creative, where you'll get honest advice from a real creative on what it's like to live and work as one today. My name is Jared Kessler, your host. So listen, on today's show, I had a chance to talk with Gabe Leonard, who's been a full-time artist, like painter, real artist, selling his stuff and making a living at it for over 20 years, like pre-internet. And I had the good fortune of meeting Gabe when I first started out as a musician back in 98. For him to still be doing it today, there's something that he's doing right. So whether it's um, recovering from a $12,000 conference that he paid uh, to go to and it not happening to just constantly fine-tuning his craft, I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So guys, do yourself a favor. Don't just listen to the first few minutes. Make sure you listen to the entire podcast. I guarantee you're going to get something out of it. Now let's get real. Hey, thanks everyone for joining me in another episode of Unabashedly Real and Creative. My name is Jared Kessler, and on today's show, I'm excited to have a guest, an artist that I have met a really long time ago, like 1998. And we had, I think it was through Facebook that somehow I saw you, you saw me, and we're like, holy shit, you're doing well. <laughs> and you're still, you know, you're still doing your thing. And I say that because when I met Gabe, like I was not in a good place, um, just financially, just like, and I was doing music and I was really struggling. Um, but Gabe has always, dude, you were a musician and it was getting (laughs) delayed. What are you talking about? (laughs) It was like, (laughs) um, a good place. uh, (laughs) Yeah. But you, you you know, for tips, I'm like, you live in the dream, man. (laughs) But at the same time, I was like tens of thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. Um, I was living off of credit cards. I was living, I don't know if you were ever in my place at that time, but it was like 177 and a half, literally a square foot bachelor apartment in Venice Beach, California. I didn't even have a bathroom in there. Like I went down the hallway, a shirt, like it was like, I went down the hallway. Your sink kind of a shared (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I find, so I forget exactly back then how I met Gabe, but all I know is that Gabe was the only like true artist that actually like was making a living, <coughs> making a living selling his art. And so when I, a few weeks ago had started kind of having guests on this and my podcast, this is a just like, I don't know, I think I started September, November. Um, but you know, when I reconnected with Gabe, I'm like, man, I, I want to get him on the show because to having, to, to be doing your art full time for over 20 years now and counting, I have so many questions. Uh, and I think so many listeners as a creative probably have questions. So I'm calling this title, um, what it takes to do your art full time for over 20 years and counting. And without kind of further ado, I wanted to introduce my my guest, Gabe Leonard. And so for those who don't know you, um, give us a quick or whatever kind of intro, uh, which I just, oh, you know, it's funny because we just worked in his, his new bio, but give us a quick kind of like bio introduction for those who don't know you. All right, let's just wait for the applause to die down for a second. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I was born and raised in, in Wyoming, which is a, you know, if you don't know where that's at, it's a state above Colorado. Um, I spent my early childhood uh, in a small oil field camp called Lynch, Wyoming, which is 
about 60 miles north of Casper, which is one of the bigger cities in the state. Right. And so I spent a lot of time drawing as a kid. I where I kind of discovered that, hey, I had this knack to do this and it was fun and I was good at it and, or people seemed to think I was good at it and that's right. what they told me. And, you know, so I was encouraged as a young kid to, you know, keep that thing and you know, keep that streak alive. And we moved to a larger town when I was uh, about uh, 12 years old and uh, moved to a town that was uh, well fun, had well funded school programs because of the uh, oil and coal mining industries uh, that were right there in Wyoming. <clears throat> and uh, they, so they had a lot of investment in their art programs and music and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I continued going through the art classes and grade school and high school, and it became the thing that I knew that I could do. It was something I was always just really good at. Uh, I eventually got a scholarship to go to art school in Columbus, Ohio, with the idea that you know I was going to become an artist. Um, the main <clears throat> thing I you know I wanted to see was that you know I could get a job doing it, and I knew that right. you could get a job in the animation industry. So that's kind right. of where, where I focused my my uh, attention in school. Right. <clears throat> and so after I graduated from college, I moved to Los Angeles where all the anim animation industry is. And I right. was going to try to become a background painter and painter and feature animation, doing all the, all the backgrounds you see in, in those, in those movies. Right. Uh, so, but when I got here, um, <laughs> the, the career I was going after was getting, just starting to flush down the toilet as, mm. as the uh, digital age was taking over computers were taking over in digital animation. Right. And so all these traditional animation jobs for traditional art, uh, drawing and painting were kind of evaporating. Right. And, uh, I didn't really understand what it was going on while I was in it, but I, you know, I just knew that I couldn't find a job. I, I right. couldn't get a job. So I ended up just selling my art on the boardwalk in Venice beach. And that's basically where, where I met you. And yeah. I, if I remember the memory I have, whether it's accurate or not, was that you were, you came, coasting up on your, on your longboard, on your <laughs> skateboard with a guitar on your back. You know, you have, you have like a short sleeve button up t-shirt, you know, and some khakis and sandals. And you're like, Hey dude, uh, can I sit here and play my guitar? Right, totally. like, yeah, go ahead, man. I don't care. That was probably how it started. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And, um, it's so wild because when like, I'm curious because I came from New Jersey, right? It wasn't very, I felt like an outcast because I was the only one in my family that kind of did this. Understanding that a lot of my family, of course, was musically inclined, but I basically, um, I, I had sat down my mom and saying like, I'm doing music, like this is what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, there just wasn't like this support and, and living where I was and it's, and it's fascinating that you say how supportive a community was that you were living in for art. I find that completely fascinating. So, because I didn't have that. Yeah. Um, what, and I didn't grow up in that kind of community. So I guess I'm wondering if you don't, did you grow up in a supportive environment? Like, well, I mean, in, it's in terms not of like they were like, you know, encouraged me to run out and be an artist for a living, but, um, they weren't trying to talk me out of it. They couldn't, even if, if they were, it, they didn't have any compelling arguments. Right. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I guess not being able to talk me out of it and being supportive 
you look at it both, that is both the same. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so but the thing is, is like the, the, they had, there was, there was nothing to talk me out of. Like, you know, I, nobody was going to pay for my college. Right. You know, and I got the scholarships to go to art school and, right, and right, you know, right. I think, I think there was a little bit of a, you know, like, you know, maybe you should go to a regular university to get a more well-rounded education. Right. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I got a scholarship to this other school and that, and there's these companies hire right out of that school. So, you know, why wouldn't I just do that? Right. Right. But so right, I, right. I just took it upon myself. I didn't, I didn't right. wait for somebody to, to, to encourage me or to discourage me. I just decided that's what I was going to do. And it seemed like the best option that I had based on what I, what I was already good at, what I thought I would like doing in the future. Right. And what was, what was relatively plausible income, you know, to make a, right. to make a decent living in this country, you know, like, so I could, I could just be like the guy that, you know, just, you know, you go out, you go to school, you get a job. That, that was, you know, the artist version of it. Yeah. So do you think, because I was the opposite, like I, I went to school, West Virginia university, I got a BA in psychology. I didn't know what copywriting was at the time, of course, but um, like my parents, I went, I don't know if you know this, but I went and I had a portfolio and I was shown around, uh, schools. I went around to schools in Philadelphia to try to get into art school, but my dad, like my parents were divorced. Yeah. It was split halfway. My dad, <laughs> my dad basically said flat out, I'm not paying you. I'm, I'm not paying for that. Yeah. Um, so do you think if you would have gotten that scholarship that they would have been just as supportive? Uh, well, I wouldn't have been able to go yeah. <laughs> if I didn't get that scholarship. Right. So it wouldn't, I wouldn't have required their support or not. Interesting. Really. really. So it's, yeah. you know, my parents had saved a little bit of money, but they didn't, you know, not enough to, to outpace the cost of schools. I mean, right. Right. like that, I mean, that happens every generation. They, they grew up and they think they saved enough and it's not enough. It's yeah. like, man, now you need 10 times more. And, yeah. And I, I remember my dad being frustrated that he couldn't help me any more than what he had, you know? Right. Right. Um, right. You know, and him being nervous because I showed him a tuition bill for that art school and he about shit his pants. He's like, I can't afford to pay for that. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, you can afford to send me to community college yeah, or, or maybe to a small university or help me that way. But, you know, a private art school, you know, if I wanted to do it, then I had to take it upon myself to do it. Yeah, and, yeah. And if I had the wherewithal to do that, they weren't going to talk, talk me out of it. For sure. That makes sense. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. I, I think what my parents did more than just support me, like not really support me as being an artist, is they allowed me to do things upon, you know, take things upon myself and allowed me to take my own risk. Right, right. You know, they right. really, they really prepared me, you know, like, you know, I, some of the stubbornness I have comes from them and, and my, you know, wanting, wanting to take care of my problems. I, I, you know, my parents are a role model in their behaviors that way. Right. But, um, you know, so they, you know, as I got to be an older teenager, I remember it was like, all of a sudden I was, I didn't have any rules, you know, right. but I didn't have, you know, I had my parents support if I wasn't intentionally, you know, doing shitty, stupid things and fucking things up, you know. Right, 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 right. But if I'm going out into the world and trying to better myself, then they, I think that more than anything, they, I knew that they wouldn't let me completely fail. Right, right. Right. And by the time I did completely fail, I wouldn't let him help me out. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I think it's important. Let's, let's talk about like, let's put a year to that because I think this is super important because when I was doing this, people have to understand there was no internet like 90, yeah. like 
this is people have to really understand, especially creatives, is that 98 to two, I graduated college in 96 with a BA in psychology. 98 to 2006, I did music. Um, so, what year was this? What year was this for you? Because I think that's super important to kind of talk about where things were at then. Uh, yeah. So, you know, when I, uh, when I, I mean, when I arrived in LA, it was 1998. I got here yeah, in yeah. 1998. Same time. That's so funny. Yeah. And I was on the boardwalk by January of 99. That's when I finally figured out like, how to do that. And then yeah. we, we met somewhere between then and the, in the, you know, in the spring yeah. that, that year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there was no, there was, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a computer. I didn't have a cell phone. If I, the, the internet, if I wanted to get on the internet, I had to go to the library. And by the way, that was probably the last time I've been to the library, unfortunately. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Gosh, were there even any more around? Yeah, they're, they're there. Maybe I should, that's, maybe that's what I should do on my time off. Go to the library and museums, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so let me ask you this. How do you balance... Because 20 years is a lot, like to be doing this for that, I'm not saying like you're, you know, you've had some success and there's some high profile people that have collected your work and we won't name names, but Hollywood, we call Hollywood elites or whatever. Um, But there's a business and a creative side of things. And I think like you paint you. And one thing that I've seen when I, when I look back at stuff is that, you always, you didn't shy away from selling your art to people. And I'm curious how you balance the business and creative side of things, because like, we're not talking about, I'm a, I'm a creative and it is a little bit different, but you're like, you make art, like you paint. Yeah. So <clears throat> is, is there, do you struggle with the business and creative side of things? And how do you get over that? Well, I got over it by finding a way to do it that I didn't have, that wasn't, a, that wasn't hard to do. So basically I, I followed the path of, uh, the least resistance, you know, and, and with what was, what I was resisting, it was much harder for me to go up to people and try to get them to hire me or promote myself, you know, um, you know, like sending out business right, cards, and right. cards and stuff. If, you know, if I had to go knock on people's door and go door to door trying to sell it, I would never have done that. Right. But I have no problem trying to attract attention just with the work, just right. put it out in front of people right? and letting them get a reaction to it. Right. Because I like to see the way people are entertained with the work. So the, the, that part of it wasn't that difficult. And then it was just a matter of then they engage you and start asking you questions. And, you know, when I first was out there, I had no idea, like they wanted to know, you know, how much. And I'm like, I had no idea. Like right. I hadn't even really thought about it. It's like, I, well, uh, you know, maybe a couple hundred, maybe, you know, I had, and so, you know, the, the business side of it was really just born out of sheer pressure to, right. to have to figure it out. Right. You know, it was like, you know, I, I, but it wasn't, it wasn't difficult. It was just, you, you start somewhere. Right. And so the, the business side of it became part of the artwork. Like, you know, the, the making new paintings and trying to entertain people to get them to buy the artwork. Interesting. So I would, I would try to figure out what, what things are, are people liking and then what kind of version of it can I, can I add to it to get their attention? Right. You know, <clears throat> and then at the same time I can use this to explore different mediums and styles and, you know, cause when I started out, I didn't have a style so much. I mean, I had sty- several different thing versions of things that I did. Right. And, uh, 
they could be all over the place in technique and subject matters and, you know, and stylistically they might've been different. And so I did a lot of experimentation early on and, and just sold, sold the works to, to the people that were passing by on the boardwalk. And you know, what's kind of fascinating because I've, I remember talking to you back then is that you would try to get people to hold it. Um, when people like, um, Oh yeah. You know, I, I, I feel like I kind of remember this conversation in that, if that you could get people to, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, but I think you can also discover that at that time, if you could kind of get people to hold it, they feel a little bit more like attached and obligated to kind of buy it. (laughs) like, yeah. Right? You can't convince someone to obligate them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I love yeah, that. that was that was one of the first, I guess one of the early things I figured out. I was like, pick it up, pick up the artwork they're looking at, and give it to them. Let them hold on to it. Let them let them imagine. You know, it, they take it. They, once someone takes possession, they have some. They have more of a, you know, whatever whatever it is, an emotional connection to it. Like they start envisioning it in their place and you know, they feel like it's theirs now, you know? And yeah. so it's harder, you know, if they really want to buy it, if they really like it, then that sometimes would push them over, over to, to taking action. And you know, so the, you, the yeah. first thing is you, you learn is you, you, okay, you get, so you've got someone's attention. Now what, what do you want them to do? You want them to buy it? Well, right. You know, do you, do you try to sit there and convince them? It's like, that wasn't really my style. I was like, right. I didn't want to sit here and grind somebody. Right. But could I nudge them? Could I, you know, can I, right, is, right, right. can I find out what's, you know, what they're thinking and help them, fit, you know, walk around whatever they're objecting to, you know, like, so how, how do I be, how do I talk about the artwork that further connects them to it? Yeah. You know, for sure. For and sure. so that's, that's the approach I took. I, you know, so you learn to talk about your artwork and then you, then you start having to ask yourself these questions about like, what does it mean? And why are you doing it? And, so and, did- and yeah, go ahead. No, no. So what? So did you then think? And we talked about this. Um, I think yesterday. You know, it's like doing more of what what's working and less of what isn't. Um, and did you? Does something click in you and kind of say, "Oh, okay, like this is this is working." Now I'm going to do more of this. Yeah, that was the business side of it. So yeah. you know, as I said, I. I first was trying to get into animation studios, and I was trying to find illustration work and all these things, and. I was spending money advertising in annual directories that would go out to art directors and portfolios right. and all this money, time and effort into getting a, you know, quote, real, real job, which was, right. this was just until I got a real job, quote, unquote. Right. <laughs> but as I was, go, as I kept on go, doing this while I was, you know, things that I was, I was also figuring out how to optimize what I was doing on the boardwalk and make better money and, and be more quick, you know, efficient and things I was things I was really focusing on that, which was the side gig, was working and improving. And then I realized I was like, why am I wasting all my time trying to go after this 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 job that I'm trying, you know, that I think is going to be secure? Yeah. When the only thing that I have that's secure going on is selling my art on the street and it's successful. You know, like right, right. what if I took all that energy and money and time and put it into the thing that's working instead of all this other shit? It's it's so fascinating and it sounds so easy, but it's so funny that like, I should like, that's exactly like, that's exactly what I did with copywriting. And it's so wild and it's so, it's so interesting 
it's so wild when your back is up against the wall and you you have to find a way to make it work and you realize um you know it it requires a lot of work to actually find a job to get paid to do what you do yeah and, and i think something eventually clicks and I, I always feel like not to get overly spiritual and stuff like that i always feel like man if you take that energy of that and put it into like what you love doing yeah something special could happen so yeah so i i was yeah i was as i was wasting all this time doing this other stuff for this for this job that i thought i wanted <clears throat> and uh so the, the basic principle was just find what you're doing, find what you're good at, what's working and work on that. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. For sure. And uh, so, so that's, that's what I did. I, that was like around, you know, you know, I don't know, 2002 or three, it didn't take about a year or two to figure that out. You know, right, I, right, I think right. I'm, you know, then I just quit, you know, quit pursuing all these other side, you know, all these other uh, more loftier, it wasn't even lofty. It was, I don't know. It was the it was the more traditional routes of making an income as a as a professional artist. Right. And uh, you know, the uh, selling on the boardwalk wasn't necessarily glamorous, but I, I there's another thing that occurred to me too is that I was making whatever art I felt like making, and I knew whatever job I had that would go away. I'd be you know, and right. and that's kind of one of those things where you can't. It's hard to go back to. Right. It's hard to go back to doing projects for people where you're not in complete creative control of whatever it is. It's, it's fun to be able to, to be that. And, and then and on top of it, being able to own all the rights to what, what it is that you're creating, you know, like right. you're the, you, you become the author and, and owner of your work. Right. And working for Disney or some other company, you wouldn't, wouldn't have that. You would, you know, you click to check it, but at the end of like 30 years, you would have, you would have any interest in any of the work that you did. No, you're I mean, any financial interest. No, you're absolutely right. I actually had, um, which I think I'm going to, um, the podcast after, after, um, actually before this, I had, um, a lawyer on who works with creatives and he talks about, um, uh, he talked about work made for hire bypasses copyright. So, Oh yeah. That's another thing. I, yeah. Well, I learned that early on too, is I was struggling on the boardwalk, you know, there were, I was getting, you know, shut, you know, kind of uh, screwed over on a couple of projects that I got hired to do as illustration projects. You know, and I learned what copyright was all about real quick. And I, you know, you know, you don't want to sign anything that has a work for hire language in it. That that take, that, that not only takes your copyright, but it, it changes the legal author to, from you to the person who hired you, which is always the case when you work as an employee. That you're always wow. work wow. for hire. It's always the employee owns the copyright. And wow. you do. <clears throat> which wow. means that, and some of the contracts means that you they would own any of the rights in the work that you do on your own time. Wow. You know, so. Yeah, I just saw that there was wow. there was you know a better long term potential for me to sell my art, own everything that I'm doing, even if I'm here on the street. Right, I'm better off that way than than uh, some sort of security. You know, like I, so I I I was choosing to the the, the to struggle freely <laughs> doing what I wanted to. Right, right. In in and instead of trading it for the trappings of some sort of security in a job, you know. Right. You know, so were you ever at the point of getting like a real job? There was never an option that was of a real job that was going to pay better than what I was already doing on the boardwalk. Like, right. Like what was I, you know, I knew that I, <clears throat> you know, the, the amount of income I was making, even if I had a couple of bad weeks was still more than the minimum wage was going to offer. 
So it begs the question, like, I guess people want to know, and I, I've like, what were you making back on the, uh, on the boardwalk back then? Well, when I first started, if I made a hundred bucks in a day, that was doing pretty good. You know, so I'd be a couple hundred bucks a weekend. Right. But by the time I left the boardwalk in 2007, I was making sometimes two to $3,000 a weekend there. Nice. Nice. So, nice. You know, and that's, and that's cash. I mean, or, or wait, did you, you didn't have a credit card yeah, machine? I one, yeah. I got a credit card machine. I was one of the first. <laughs> awesome. did. In fact, one of the, one of the, I sold a painting <laughs> and, uh, and right after I sold the painting, I'm sold it for 900 bucks. It was just enough money to buy one of those credit card processing machines. And wow. I remember I got up one Tuesday morning to call call the company to see and get a tracking number for this machine because I was going to go out the next weekend and start breaking in credit card sales. And uh, I got this weird message saying that they were closed due to the bombings in New York. And that's that was uh, the Tuesday morning of September 11th. Oh, so wow. I, I, I just spent all this money on a credit card machine after I sold a painting and then they, the towers got bombed. And uh, <laughs> wow. that was a, I remember it was specifically because of that event, you know, like, what I, you know, I was in the middle of trying to get my first credit card machine. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. A lot of stuff changed. I was, you know, it's without going deep into it. I, I remember I was listening to Howard Stern. It was the first, one of the first times he was like really serious. And I was like, wait, what? And then I turned on the TV and um, uh, it's crazy. So, um, so let me ask you this. What do you think gives you the ability to make a living at this versus so many others who don't do you think? And I, I, Kind of maybe feel like I know the answer, but I'm, you know, having your back up against the wall and not being able to really seeing that you're not making any, uh, as much money from, you know, getting a job than you are from selling your work. Um, I, I guess, you know, I'm trying to look at it from the perspective of people listening. I think, I think what it boils down to is I, I don't have any special abilities. I, I was just willing to do stuff that other people weren't willing to do. Like, Going and setting up on the street in a, in a public, in a, you know, in a city, you know, public street isn't glamorous. I mean, that's not what they teach you in art school. Yeah. You know, graduate with a degree and you go sell your artwork in the street on the ground. Yeah. It's like, you know, you go into, you know, they, they, they train you to go to galleries and play this whole other racket system. But the basics of it are sell your artwork. Make, you know, it's like I, I knew I could make money with my artwork, you know, even if I was down there drawing caricatures, I would learn how to do is like, yeah, I knew I could make some money, I make money doing that. And I knew I could do it and make it better than I could make it in any stupid shit job. Right. And so I figured that my, my, my artwork and our ability to, to paint or draw or entertain people with that was way more valuable than anything else that I, that I had to offer. And, you know, as we're talking, I was just thinking like, I want people to understand like Gabe is really super talented. Like his work, I mean, I don't, you don't see, especially these days, I don't really see painters. I see people on Instagram, like doing dot drawings and just like the stuff, but like Gabe's super, like you're super talented. So I don't, so, and the reason I say that is that I don't, I'm not sure that people could sell and I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm wrong. I'm no, not sure that people could sell some- like crazy abstract, weird, like real, because Let's be honest. There's some really trust me. There's a nut for every wrench, <laughs> you know. So there, there was artists out on the boardwalk that had really expressive styles. They weren't trained as an artist, but it, it's the creativity that showed through, and they found collectors and buyers too. So, it, it, you know, I'm at it, the, the the talent isn't really so much in the technical skill level that somebody has. It's in their it's in their creativity and ab- mm. ability to get others interested and engaged. Right. 
And that's, that's what, that's the difficult, that's something you, that they really can't teach you how to do. For sure. And the, sure. The, only, the only thing that I've ever figured out how to do and not make it seem contrived is just to entertain myself with my work. Hmm. And so if I can find it entertaining and I can find something about the subject of the work fun and enjoyable. Yeah. And, and you know, and then, and then on top of that, the, the uh, technical challenges of the artwork, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to paint and trying to get better at it. If I can meld all those things together and then I'm entertained by it, then that energy is in the painting and hopefully other people right. agree right. it is being, being interesting and, and valuable as well. So from back then till now, what do you think has changed over the years in the creative world? I mean, even for you, because I look at things now, even I even see a shift in what I've been doing from 10 years ago. I've been doing it for about 10 years now to even the last one or two years. And it's, it's pretty fascinating. So I'm just curious what, how have things changed over the years in there? Well, I, I don't know, you know, how to really define the creative world in a way that is meaningful. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how, I don't know how that's, how that's changed, but yeah. I think some of the impacts on, on us, you know, you know, whether we're creative or not, has just been the advancement of technology and the way we connect to each other so easily. Right. You know, like, like, I, like you were saying, we didn't have uh, Instagram and Facebook or anything like that back in the late nineties, early two thousands. Right. So, uh, you know, now there's almost no excuse not to be able to get your artwork in front of people. Right. 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 You know, so you you know you can get on Instagram and and, and develop a following and, and or at least an awareness of your art really really easily. Right. You know, but because there's so you know, so if you want to you know parallel you know compare this to you know the like Instagram being the the boardwalk of the internet, you know anybody can set up and they can you know take as much space as they like. But the problem is that everybody can set up and the and the market's crowded. So how do you stand out? And so that you know it requires a whole other set of creativity to figure out how to how to rise in into the attention of people amongst such a huge crowd. For sure. On the, on the boardwalk, there was a limited amount of space, and so there wasn't you know it wasn't that and it wasn't that hard to to stand out on the boardwalk because there wasn't a lot of you know talented artists didn't see that as and you know as a legitimate option of putting their work out in front of the public. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And you know, they might've been right, but screw it. I needed to pay the bills and I wasn't going to go work some stupid shit job. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I did a ton before uh, I into copywriting. So, so are you just inspired today as you were when you first started in 98 doing, do I, I, I really love the aspect and we talked about this of, I feel like I'm solving problems yeah. Um, and I love that aspect of it. And it's really never changed um, from f- doing this for 20, another 10 years. I'm not sure. I, I never saw copywriting as like the, the end all be all, but I, but I don't know who knows. So I'm, I'm just curious, like, are you just as inspired today as you were back then? Yeah. You know, I never really thought of it as inspiration so much as I am you know, motivated I, and, 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 and not like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, but at the same time, I feel I'm motivated to find better ways of being lazy. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like, I want to do as little as possible and get the most, you know, the most bountiful rewards as possible from the same amount, you know, from the same thing. <laughs> That's but my you know, <laughs> Well, when you say that, but it's funny because when you say that now, I think there's a lot of people that start, like, I think for a lot of people, that's the goal, but they don't put in the work. 
like even working with you yesterday, I see like, dude, you, you, you put in, like you put in work. Um, yeah. So well, know, I put it, I put in work, but I don't think of it as work. I think of it as play. It's, yeah. it's, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the things that I like doing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not really and, work. I mean, I would rather be doing this than I, I can't think of something I'd rather be doing for money. Like I don't right. feel like I'm working for money. Right, right, right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I like getting paid and all those sort of things, but I'm not thinking about, uh, you know, yeah. Like I'm not doing what I'm doing just to make, just to make money. I'm doing what I'm right. doing because it's, you know, I, I like making my art. I like being involved in selling it. I enjoy the business of it. It's all interconnected. I like interacting with the people who, who like it all those sort of things. So I, I just don't think of it as work right. in a weird sense. And I, I feel guilty about sometimes about how hard <laughs> she, she, she works. <laughs> who, who, uh, I'm sorry. Who, my, my, oh, my girlfriend. She's a, oh. she's a scientist. She works in a lab up in Pasadena. Oh my gosh. And she's, she's a beast, man. She, and I was like, she, she tells me about what she's doing. It's like, man, I feel, I start feeling guilty. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know because like even yeah, my wife too, I mean, uh, you know, she's like, oh my gosh, because she has to, because um, we live about an hour outside Seattle. We, we bought a house, I think about two years ago, over a little over two years ago. And uh, it's about an hour outside. So her commute isn't fun. I mean, she loves the company, but she's like, man, I wish I could work from home like you. And uh, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, then, you know, I, I point this out to my girlfriend about how I feel about it. He's like, man, it's like, I don't like, you know, I got up at 930, you know, I did this and did that. And she's like, she's like, yeah, well, you're like on call 24 hours a day and you're almost never not working. So yeah, yeah. Totally. All these things that you think are not working. Are you working? You know, like when totally. you're thinking about doing this or that, you know, yeah. you're, you're always like, tell me about this, some other thing you're doing. You know, she, you know, she's, she's super supportive though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, totally. Totally. It's funny. Yeah. Because I have like, people don't even know I have waterproof paper in the shower where I get like a ton of ideas. Like I have pads of paper with a little nightlight by my bed. Like, you know, I'm always writing ideas and stuff like that. So I, yeah, yeah I totally get it. I'm always kind of working. Um, but so are there any tips, tricks, or, you know, or advice you would give to other creatives like you that maybe that you yeah, didn't know when you first started out? Yeah. Don't have a backup plan. That's the yeah. first thing. If you're wanting to make a living as a, as a creative person or an artist, it needs to be your plan A. Like, like you can't think of a better plan than this. Like all the other plans, they, they aren't going to, you know, this is your best option. You should be being an artist. <clears throat> On top of that, you know, like I guess the things that have worked for me are meeting your deadlines, being easy to work with and, uh, and uh, not being too serious. Do you know when you say this is, and it sounds so simple, but when, like, when you don't have a backup plan, and and personally for me, I I know I have to have some money, like bank, some money in the bank for stuff. You know, for me, I know, like, to be honest with you, back it was about two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Like, yeah. I had to leave, I had to leave LA. Like, nothing. I was kind of doing what you're doing. I was trying to. Yeah. I knew copywriting was the thing. There was no ad firm that would hire me. Like, none. I couldn't find anything. My wife wanted yeah. to get out. We were in Glendale. We're like, shit. Is it? what about Seattle, Portland? And it just, when I came to Seattle, everything worked out. And like, I had no, you know, I've been estranged from family for a while and um, I have no backup plan. There was like nothing, like yeah. I knew nothing 
I knew one person who was living here and moving back to LA. Um, So like there was like literally no backup plan. Like it had to work. And I think there's something, there's really something to, to be said for that. Um, And I would go out to like meetups and meet people and just uh, do whatever, like do whatever it takes. And it's interesting. I almost feel like technology, I'm not sure if, it, it's making some people softer because there's something to be said to be able to like go out and do it on the street. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you think like technology, do you think you would maybe have the same success now as when you had back then? Because you were basically, um, you know, people say that we're grinding it out or whatever. Um, but I, well, I, there's a still whatever people are starting out now, if they're starting out, you know, the same way in the same positions that I did, there's still going to be a struggle of some sort. The the challenges are just going to be different. And uh, I think the people that succeed are going to be the ones that figure out how to utilize the the resources around them to their best advantage. Right. You know, and uh, a lot of times things that don't look like, you know, don't look like resources are, you know, like I wouldn't have been able to do this if it wasn't for being, being allowed to set up in the public domain and and the Venice beach boardwalk. So there's, there's lots of things that, were around that weren't of my doing that really benefited me and, and helped me that if weren't, they weren't there, I don't know what would have been different. Things might not have worked out the same. But you know, it's uh, funny that I, I think you would have from knowing you and talking to you, there's this quote, I don't know how cheesy, whatever. It's like, you can't stop winners from winning. I, <laughs> I, like no matter like nothing, I think you would probably would have found another route to do it because you would have had to. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pr- probably, but I, I don't know what that route would have been if it would have right. been any better or worse. You know, I might have, if I went and went into chemical engineering, who knows, I might have been way better off than being an artist. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, oh, for we, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll never know now. It's too late for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, what do your, what do your parents say about things now? They, oh, they're excited. They're, you know, like, you know, they, they were supportive of it. I remember my dad would visit me. He was like, you know, I wish you would have went to school and become a doctor or a lawyer. You're smart. You could have done all these things. Like, yeah, well, you know, but he, you know, he was excited to see me make money and I was doing whatever, you know, I was making a living as an artist, but I wasn't like super, you know, I wasn't thriving, you know, I was struggling and uh, he didn't like to see me struggle. Right. Um, when I started making more money than he did, he quit talking about that kind of stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, but my parents are super excited. My dad, you know, when I was doing all the outdoor festivals all over the country, I'd often uh, fly my dad out or go pick him up along the road and have him come and help me at these, at these festivals. So I get to spend a lot of time hanging out with him and, and, uh, you know, he, so he's supported by actually being there and helping me out. So fun. Yeah, it was fun. You know, well, and I was just thinking too, just as a as a side note, I was at a Bellevue Art Fair in Wash, Bellevue, you know, here in Washington, and I was just thinking, like, dude, this where where is Gabe? I don't know if there's something to look into or whatever, but it would be it would. Oh yeah, I've, I'm familiar with that. Well, or I know yeah. of that show. Um, dude, you gotta you gotta try to come out here one time. That'd be uh, I'm, I'm sure. I'd love to get a yeah. I'd love to get a, a, a location up there somewhere. I'm I'm kind of done doing the outdoor festivals. That was one of the goals of getting into the galleries was not oh, to have, yeah. not to have to be the guy humping it around. You know, right. I mean, if things got bad and I had to do it again, I'd probably do it. But I'm look, you know, I'm not looking to you know that, that that's a lot of work doing those yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot of that's, you know, like I said, my goal is to 
is to continuously make things easier for me for me <laughs> maximum results. <laughs> just gotta check just gotta check in the mail. So, three part question. Creatively was the hardest time. How did you get through it? And where uh, did you learn most from it? Well, it's it's hard to divorce the creatively from from the you know the the business ups and downs of, of what I was doing. Yeah. Um so so in 2005, I went to New York to do it to, uh, the Art Expo at the Javits Trade Center. Oh, wow. And, and it was like, you know, where a lot of artists go and they get discovered by galleries and a lot of gallery owners come and look for new art and artists and all these, you know, all these sort of things. Yeah. And so I knew it was like, man, I can maybe if I could get in there, I get in there, I get a booth and I, I can find, I can meet some of the right people who will help me get this off the ground and going and I, you know, I can get a break, you know? Right. And so I spent every dime I had maxed out all my credit cards, borrowed money from friends and my, you know, some family and, uh, got to the trade, trade show with like literally <laughs> the money in my pockets, all I had left. Right. And, uh, I think I was in like at least $12,000 of just, wow. just for the booth, just for the booth, I ended for twelve thousand dollars and wow. get my art there and frame, you know, that framing. And I made less there than I made at the boardwalk the weekend before in a five day show in New York at the, at a, at the, at the convention center. Wow. And uh, didn't really get any promising prospects of anything. It was, it was just a, you know, uh, a dud. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I didn't have enough money to even ship my artwork back home to me. So I took what I could, like rolled it up under my arms and took it on the airplane back with me and was at the boardwalk the next weekend trying to sell it to, to, you know, make some money. I didn't even have money yeah. to pay my rent. I had to borrow money from my, the, the landlord for my studio wow. to cover the check. I wrote them for the rent and then they go on the weekend and make the money to get back to, to reimburse them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, you know, my cell phone was getting shut off. I, like I was, I was at my, you know, my parents would borrow money from me. like, well, we can help you out. And I refused to, to, to take, borrow more money. I, I just, right, right. I just like, I can't get out of a hole by digging more holes. That doesn't make any right, sense. Right, 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 right. So I, what I did, I did eventually make enough money to get my artwork shipped back to me. And I, and I didn't have anything, but, but I did have inventory. I had a lot of stuff to sell. Right, right, right. And so I slowly got my way out of that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that was, that was the super struggle. And what it did for me creatively is I, it, <clears throat> it galvanized what was going, why, why I wasn't going to get past where I was at. Mm. It was, you know, like while I was successful selling the artwork to the general public, you know, just buying whatever prints that I had to offer. Uh, when, when I'm trying to find someone, a gallery to take it, Mm. They have to, you're, you're trying to sell to them and they don't understand how they're going to resell all this right. disconnected stuff. Right, right, right. <laughs> they need to be able to sell you and, and not all this, you know, stuff that, you know, looks like it's done by several different people. Right, right, right. And so, uh, they need something to hold on to some, some sort of thing to bite onto. <laughs> and the things that I saw working were like laden with gimmickry, you know, like, so it was just like all the like cliches and gimmicks and just this shit that you know they stumbled on something that people kind of like and they do right. do it repetitively over and over and over again mm. and uh so i i i couldn't figure out what that was for me you know like 
Right. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to disparage other artists. I'm saying, you know, because they obviously enjoy or, or hopefully they, they enjoy what they're doing, even if right. it does come, even if it does seem a little bit gimmicky. They, they enjoy it. That's that's all that matters. And they keep doing it. So, you know, and it's working for them. So let's not <laughs> disparage yeah. them for that. Yeah. But I, I couldn't think of anything that I could do that way that would interest me. Right. And uh, so I knew I had to find something that was cohesive, that held everything together. And that was, you know, something within the work that, and I, I didn't, I didn't want to rely on just, you know, one trick. Right. Right. You know, I don't want to get bored of doing, you know, the same, the same painting over and over again. But, but you, but you got into a lot of, I mean, you're in galleries all over the world. Right? Yeah. I mean, so, so, that, so where was that coalesced. from? So like, what I did is I looked at, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Just the, the moment from that, uh, oh crap, whatever. Hey, wait a moment. Like maybe I could do this. And then you. Start. Yeah. So I was, I, I was doing, I was just thinking about the work that I was doing and it was a lot of sort of fantasy and, in uh, type of work, you know, you know, being found like mermaids and fairies to floating trees and all kinds of different types of stuff. And, but I saw, you know, that what I was doing, you know, in the the styles that I was doing, it wasn't really, there's lots of people doing those sort of subject matters, that sort of stuff. And and some of them are way better at it. And a lot of it's going digital. And, and it's it's just like, like I was talking about the overcrowded um, boardwalk of Instagram. It was kind of becoming that. It was like in in the sea of things, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't really, cohesive. you know, drawing, drawing attention to itself. Right. And, you know, it, it could be easily, you know, lost in the, in the sea. Right. So I thought, well, what, what, you know, so what wouldn't be that? What would be the opposite of that? You know? And I thought, well, probably like, you know, greasy old bikers <laughs> or something. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, that, you know, I just, instead of doing a painting of a fairy, what, like, what would be the opposite? Big, ugly, hairy, you know, leather, leather <laughs> guy, you know? <laughs> right. And then I thought, well, that's kind of like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, old West outlaw sort of type, you know, you know, that's truck drivers or, you know, I need something like that. It's like, and I, I was, <clears throat> had an interest in, in history and, and I started thinking about, it. you know, I've seen all kinds of like, stories about Jesse James and, you know, Wilder Hickok and all these guys. And, you know, but I've never seen people do paintings that narrate these ideas or, the, or, or inspired by these characters that seem really cool and fun, you know, like, right, right. You know, like what if they were like just gnarly old, you know, you know, swashbuckling biker types, right. You know, and, you know, like, like the guys that grew up from within Wyoming, all that kind of like, like guys on the ranch, you know, like just leather skinned, you know, strong as an ox types, you know? Right. So, so that's where I started, and I started doing some of these, uh, you know, what I would call the outlaw dr- musicians and drunken poets, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, and I combined this with my interest in my musical interests and, you know, like in rock and roll and bluesy sort of stuff and yeah, yeah. that sort of energy. And and uh, at the same time, I was experimenting with different things, uh, you know, artistically. You know, I was trying to find you – know, at one point, I, I was – on eBay and I noticed that these, these people selling these uh, really expressionist abstract type paintings and they were selling for two or 300 bucks a piece or 600 bucks a piece. And, and, and I, I started looking, I looked at all their auctions. I was, they're making like $15,000 a month wow. on average selling, selling this, this work. I'm like, damn. Wow. And I know like, I can make these paintings, you know, really, really fast. And I can do the same thing. I could probably do it just as well. <clears throat> And I can do that. So I created a pseudonym called Fear Cat, which was uh, the words fake art rearranged. 
<laughs> and I and I went and got a bunch of uh, canvas that was on sale on, on on a huge sale at one of the art supply stores. Yeah, uh, research canvas. Went to Home Depot and I got these uh, cans of paint that were from the Oops, like their Oops cans. Like people mix up colors and decide they don't want them. Oh yeah, yeah. Get a gallon for five bucks, a quart for a buck, whatever. Got all kinds of different colors. And I decided I was going to make these paintings and I was going to make them no less than, you know, no more than 20 minutes on each painting. Yeah. And I was going to start selling them for at least a hundred bucks a piece. So, so all this cheap, you know, you know, inexpensive material, make these paintings, make them quick, make them, you know, they're not going to be about anything, just whatever, but no more than 20 minutes, you know, yeah. you know, commit our time to always, you know, making a, a fantastic piece of artwork. Yeah. All it has to, all it has to be is like something that somebody might want to hang on their wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And have fun with it, whatever. Yeah. But what I what doing that, I loosened up, and I did all kinds of things I wouldn't ordinarily do in my own regular paintings. Right. And then later, I painted my own regular paintings on top of some of those paintings, and I realized like, oh, I have something. There's something like that. That whatever I start with that, it gets incorporated into this, and I have all this energy that's in this painting that I couldn't have planned or otherwise created. It just has to be a spontaneous happening. You know, I just like you just do it. So wait, so did you sell that? So you sold those on eBay? I sold a few of them on eBay, but then, you know, that was getting to be a hassle, like right. the, the managing auctions and trying to get attention. And, right, uh, right. and, uh, and then I created some other fake accounts and I was shill bidding. And I was bidding against myself and I won some of my own auctions. <laughs> <laughs> and then I suspended my account. <laughs> Oh my God, that's awesome. And then I, but then I, at the same time I threw that, I, I realized that I could, I was making, I started making these outlaw paintings and they started taking off. My own art started like making more right. money. Right. And I started, and I, I started figuring out how to make canvas prints, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden my own, my own thing I, I was, my, 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 uh, my own thing that was working that I wanted to work started taking off. And so I just, took what I learned from that experience and incorporated it into my approaches in painting now. So it was a useful, it was a useful side experiment. Right. But you know, the, the, the ultimate goal of the experiment was to try to, you know, get to $15,000 a month. Yeah. But I wasn't going to, you know, that didn't supersede, you know, if I could make, you know, even half of that with what I was, what I was enjoying doing regularly, then that would just probably go with that. For sure. For sure. For yeah. Sure. For sure. Man, gosh, so much great stuff. So I'm curious, I want to give you a, a um, kind of a final question. And I'm curious, what, so, well, actually, second to last question, and I'll ask you the last question. What advice would you give to someone going through something similar uh, today? Uh, don't give up. You know, that's the only way you get defeated. You quit. I mean, that's, yeah, that's probably about it. I mean, it's good. It, <clears throat> kind of the whole, the whole time, you, you know, this might be something that applies to life in general is that, is that you're going to get dealt shit sandwiches continuously <laughs> to where that seems that that might be the only thing that's on the meal, but on the menu. But the, uh, the good news is that you can choose which shit sandwich you like to eat. <laughs> You can choose your favorite one. I got and what's scary is that what's scary is that I got a visual of that. That's painting right there, man. Um, so final question. What is the most unabashedly real advice anyone has ever given you? And you think maybe creatives, artists, whoever in particular really need to hear? 
You know, I, I don't know. Um, I can't really think of advice other artists have given me outside of just, uh, you know, you know, the practical advice of like, Hey, you can go sell your artwork over there. You know, other artists have turned me on to things that I wouldn't have known about. And so some of my success depends on that. And, and, um, yeah, you know, that's the best advice people can give you is the practical advice. Like, right. Here's what you can try and here's what worked for me and it might work for you too. And then it's up to them to take the action. And there's been some artists that, you know, have asked me for advice and I've given them the advice and, and, and a few of them actually did it and then made it happen for themselves. You know, they, and they, you know, they, they took, they, they, I I gave them the sort of the, uh, the, the insight of thinking about doing it that way. Right. And then, they took it upon themselves and, and uh, figured out all the rest. Right. And, and there's by every, every indication successful as an artist, you know, so that does happen. But a lot of people, they just, I think when they look for advice, they're looking for some sort of like uh shortcut or jump around to the, to the end goal. Right. Right. And while you, you might find lots of shortcuts, there's always traffic jams on them. You know, they're always, it's, there's always a catch to it. There's, like if you rise to some sort of success without understanding how you got there, you fall from it just as quickly. For sure. So the success that I've had hasn't been something like it just happened overnight. It's just right. been this constant grinding evolution right? where I figure out how to better and more effectively and more efficiently not only produce the work, but distribute it and sell it and present it to people. And that's um, it's just a fascinating thing to be, you know, to, to do it because I didn't really start doing this until 10 years ago. So yeah. I was trying to figure it out, but, but like you, um, you know, you're throwing a shit ton against the wall. And for, yeah. Yeah. The other, the other practical advice I would have is if you envision yourself in a similar positions, you know, with multiple gallery accounts or a lot of clients or a lot of collectors, you better learn to use Excel spreadsheets because you're going to have to keep track of a lot of paintings. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You keep track of a lot of things. So the better you can get, you know, you can get caught, you know, get up to speed on all the uh, infrastructure and administrative part of the business side of things, the easier your life will be. For sure. Well, thanks, man. This is a great call. How, um, a great call. It's great. Uh, just conversation. Sure. So how could people find out more about you? Um, your website on Instagram, what, what's, what's the best way? Yeah, my, my uh, website is uh, gabeleonard.com and my social media handles at gabeleonardart. So that'll be on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, you can follow me on my Facebook page too. It's uh, facebook.com backslash gabeleonardart. So you find me there. And I post stuff on Instagram and Facebook pretty regularly. Progress, you know, things I'm working on in progress, uh, shows and events that I'm going to be doing, that sort of thing. Well, perfect, man. And I'll put uh, links to all that in the show notes. Um, Oh, yeah. I'm going to be having uh, an open studio at the Brewery Art Walk where my studio is located in L.A. Uh, I'll have more information on my uh, social media soon about that. But it's the first weekend in April. I love the brewery. I haven't been there when you say that. I'm like, it just takes me back to the time where I used to go there. And um, I haven't been there in so long. So that's, yeah. that's so crazy. Yeah, I yeah. love the brewery. Yeah, so I, I live I live here. I've been here since 2009 with a studio here. And I've been living here. No way. Here. Yeah, since 2014. Oh, my gosh. I have to make sure next time I uh, next time I come there, we, we have to meet up. I definitely want to uh, yeah. get all that stuff out. Definitely. 
Well, cool, man. Thanks again. Thanks, everyone, for listening um, in uh, to the show. And uh, my name is Jared Kessler, special guest Gabe Leonard here. And um, have a great day, everyone. We'll uh, talk to you.